We are living through the Game of Thrones, Part 3. Here is a summary of what you may have missed in all the excitement. This is a repost from the second smartest guy in the world, and I've got the link to the original article. Thank you for your good work, smart guy. This is entitled COVID Update, What is the Truth? by Russell L. Blaylock. Peer-reviewed article on the truth about PSYOP 19, Part 3. And this section is Hot Lots, Deadly Batches of the Vaccines. A new study has now sur surfaced, the results of which are terrifying. A researcher at Kingston University in London has completed an extensive analysis of the VAERS data, a sub-department of the CDC which collects voluntary vaccine complication data, in which he grouped reported deaths following the vaccines according to the manufacturer's lot number of the vaccines. Vaccines are manufactured in large batches called lots. What he discovered was that the vaccines are divided into over 20,000 lots and that one out of every 200 of these batches or lots is demonstrably deadly to anyone who receives a vaccine from that lot, which includes thousands of vaccine doses. He examined all manufactured vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, etc. He found that among every 200 batches of the vaccine from Pfizer and other makers, one batch of the 200 was found to be over 50 times more deadly than the vaccine batches from other lots. The other batches were also causing deaths and disabilities, but nowhere near to this extent. These deadly batches should have, been, should have appeared randomly among all vaccines if it was an unintentional event. However, he found that 5% of the vaccines were responsible for 90% of serious adverse events, including deaths. The incidence of deaths and serious complications among these, quote, hot lots varied from over a thousand times to several thousand percent higher, from over a thousand percent to several thousand percent higher than comparable, safer lots. If you think this was by accident, think again. This is not the first time hot lots were, in my opinion, purposefully manufactured and sent across the nation, usually vaccines designed for children. In one such scandal, hot lots of a vaccine ended up all in one state and the damage immediately became evident. What was the manufacturer's response? It wasn't to remove the deadly batches of the vaccine. He ordered his company to scatter the hot lots across the nation so the authorities would not see the ob obvious deadly effect. All lots of a vaccine are numbered. For example, Moderna labels them with such codes as 013M. 20A. It was noted that the batch numbers ending in either 20A or 21A, batches ending in 20A were much more toxic than the ones ending in 21A. The batches ending in 20A had about 1,700 adverse events versus a few hundred to 20 or 30 events for the 21A batches. This example explains why some people had few or no adverse events after taking the vaccine, while others were either killed or severely and permanently harmed. To see the researcher's explanation, I've left a link. In my opinion, these examples strongly suggest an intentional alteration of the production of the, quote, vaccine to include deadly batches. I have met and worked with a number of people concerned with vaccine safety, and I can tell you they are not the evil anti-vaxxers you, you are told they are. They are highly principled, moral, compassionate people, many of which are top researchers and people who have studied the issue extensively. 
Robert Kennedy Jr., Barbara Lou Fisher, Dr. Merrill Nass, Professor Christopher Shaw, Megan Redshaw, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Joseph Mercola, Neil Z. Miller, Dr. Lucia Tom Genok, Tom Genovic, Dr. Stephanie Sinef, Dr. Steve Kirsch, and Dr. Peter McCullough, just to name a few. These people have nothing to gain and a lot to lose. They are attacked viciously by the media, government agencies, and elite billionaires who think that they should control the world and everyone in it. The next section is entitled, Why Did Fauci Want No Autopsies of Those Who Died After Vaccination? There are many things about this, quote, pandemic that are unprecedented in medical history. One of the most startling is that at the height of the pandemic, so few autopsies, especially total autopsies, were being done. A mysterious virus was rapidly spreading around the world. A select group of people with weakened immune systems were getting seriously ill and many were dying. And the one way we could rapidly gain the most knowledge about this virus, an autopsy, was being discouraged. Guerrero noted that by the end of April 2020, approximately 150,000 people had died. Yet there are only 16 autopsies performed and reported in the medical literature. Among these, only seven were complete autopsies, the remaining nine being partial or by needle biopsy or incisional autopsy or incisional biopsy. Only after 170,000 deaths by COVID-19 and four months into the pandemic were the first series of autopsies actually done. That is more than 10. And only after 280,000 deaths in another month were the first large series of autopsies performed, some 80 in number. Spur Hackey, in a call for autopsies to be done without question, noted that the first full autopsy reported in the literature along with photo micrographs appeared in a medical legal journal from China in February 2020. Spur Hackey expressed confusion as to why there was a reluctance to perform autopsies during the crisis, but he knew it was not coming from the pathologists. The medical literature was littered with appeals by pathologists for more autopsies to be performed. Sperhacki further noted that Robert Koch Institute, the German health monitoring system, at least initially advised against doing autopsies. He also knew that at the time, 200 participating autopsy institutions in the United States had done at least 225 autopsies among 14 states. Some have claimed that this dearth of autopsies was based on the government's fear of infection among the pathologists, but a study of 225 autopsies on COVID-19 cases demonstrated only one case of infection among the pathologists, and this was concluded to have been an infection contracted somewhere else. Guerrero ends his article calling for more autopsies with this observation, quote, Shoulder-to-shoulder, clinical and forensic pathologists overcame, overcame the instructions of autopsy studies in COVID-19 victims and hereby generated valuable knowledge on the pathophysiology of the interaction between the SARS-CoV-2 and the human body, thus contributing to our understanding of the disease. Suspicion concerning the worldwide reluctance of nations to allow full post-mortem studies of COVID-19 victims may be based on the idea that it was more by chance, more than by chance. There are two, at least two possibilities that stand out. First, those leading the progression of this, quote, non-pandemic, unquote, event into a perceived worldwide, quote, deadly pandemic, were hiding an important secret that autopsies could document, 
namely just how many of the deaths were actually caused by the virus. To implement draconian measures such as mandated mask wearing, lockdowns, destruction of businesses, and eventually mandated forced vaccination, they needed a very large number of COVID-19 infected dead. Fear would be the driving force for all these destructive pandemic control programs. Elder and colleagues in his study classified the autopsy findings into four groups. Number one, certain COVID-19 death. Number two, probable COVID-19 death. Number three, possible COVID-19 death. And number four, not associated with COVID-19 despite the positive test. What possibly concerned or even terrified the engineers of this pandemic was that autopsies just might and did show that a number of these so-called COVID-19 deaths in truth died of their comorbid diseases. In the vast majority of autopsy studies reported, pathologists noted multiple comorbid conditions, most of which, at the extremes of life, could alone be fatal. Previously, it was known that the common cold viruses had an 8% mortality in nursing homes. In addition, valuable evidence could be obtained from the autopsies that would improve clinical treatments and could possibly demonstrate the deadly effect of the CDC-mandated protocols in all hospitals that all hospitals were required to follow, such as the use of respirators and the deadly kidney-destroying drug remdesivir. The autopsies also demonstrated accumulating medical errors and poor quality care as the shielding of doctors in intensive care units from the eyes of the family members inevitably leads to poor quality care as reported by several nurses working in these areas. As bad as all this was, the, same, the very same thing is being done in the case of COVID vaccine deaths. Very few complete autopsies has, have been done to understand why these people died, that is until recently. Two highly qualified researchers, Dr. Sucharit uh, Bakati, a microbiologist and highly qualified expert in an infectious disease, and Dr. Arnie Burkhart, a pathologist who is widely published authority, having been a professor of pathology at several prestigious institutions, recently performed autopsies on 15 people who died after vaccination. What they found explains why so many are dying and experiencing organ damage and deadly blood clots. They determined that 14 of 15 people died as a result of the vaccines and not of other causes. Dr. Burkhart, the pathologist, observed widespread evidence of an immune attack on the autopsied individuals' organs and tissues, especially their heart. This evidence included the extensive invasion of small blood vessels with massive numbers of lymphocytes, which caused extensive cell destruction when unleashed. Other organs, such as the lungs and liver, were observed to have extensive damage as well. These findings indicate the vaccines were causing the body to attack itself with deadly consequences. One can easily see why Anthony Fauci, as well as public health officers, and all who were heavily involved with promoting these vaccines, publicly discouraged autopsies on the vaccinated, who subsequently died. One can also see that in the case of vaccines that were essentially untested prior to being approved for the general public, at least the regulatory agencies should have been required to carefully monitor and analyze all serious complications, and certainly deaths linked to these vaccines. The best way to do that is with complete autopsies. While we learn important information from these autopsies, 
What is really needed are special studies of the tissues of those who have died after vaccination for the presence of spike protein infiltration throughout the organs and tissues. This would be critical information as such infiltration would result in severe damage to all tissues and organs involved, especially the heart, the brain, and the immune system. Animal studies had demonstrated this. In these vaccinated individuals, the source of these spike proteins would be the injected nanolipid carriers of the spike protein producing messenger RNA. It's obvious that the government health authorities and pharmaceutical manufacturers of these vaccines do not want these critical studies done as the public would be outraged and demand an end to the vaccination program and prosecution of the involved individuals who covered this up. Conclusions. We are all living through one of the most drastic changes in our culture, economic system, and political system in our nations and the world's history. We've been told that we will never return to quote normal and that a great reset has been designed to create a quote new world order. This has all been outlined by Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum in his book, The Great Reset. This book gives a great deal of insight as to the thinking of the utopians who are proud to claim this pandemic, quote, crisis as their way to usher in a new world. This new world order has been on the drawing boards of the elite manipulators for over a century. In this paper, I've concentrated on the devastating effect this has had on the medical care system in the United States, but also includes much of the Western world. In past papers, I have discussed the slow erosion of traditional medical care in the United States and how this system has become increasingly bureaucratized and regimented. This process was rapidly accelerating, but the appearance of this, in my opinion, manufactured pandemic has transformed our health care system overnight. As you have seen, an unprecedented series of events have taken place within this system. Hospital administrators, for example, assume the position of medical dictators, ordering doctors to follow protocols derived not from those having extensive experience in treating this virus, but rather from a medical bureaucracy that has never treated a single COVID-19 patient. The mandated use of respirators on ICU COVID-19 patients, for example, was imposed in all medical systems and dissenting physicians were rapidly removed from their positions as caregivers despite their demonstration of markedly improved treatment methods. Further, doctors were told to use the drug remdesivir despite its proven toxicity, lack of effectiveness, and high complication rate. They were told to use drugs that impaired respiration and mask every patient despite the patient's impaired breathing. In each case, those who refused to abuse their patients were removed from the hospital and even faced a loss of license or worse. For the first time in modern medical history, early medical treatment of these infected patients was ignored nationwide. Studies have shown that early medical treatment was saving 80% higher numbers of these infected people when initiated by independent doctors. Early treatment could have saved over 640,000 lives over the course of this pandemic. Despite the demonstration of the power of these early treatments, the forces controlling medical care continued this destructive policy. Families were not allowed to see their loved ones, forcing those very, these very sick individuals in the hospitals to face their deaths alone. To add insult to injury, funerals were limited to a few grieving family members 
who were not allowed to even sit together. All the while, large stores such as Walmart and Costco were allowed to operate with minimal restrictions. Nursing home patients were also not allowed to have family visitations, again being forced to die a lonely death. All the while, in a number of states, the most transparent being in New York, infected elderly were purposefully transferred from hospitals into nursing homes, resulting in very high death rates for those nursing home residents. At the beginning of this, quote, pandemic, over 50% of all deaths were occurring in nursing homes. Throughout this pandemic, we have been fed an unending series of lies, distortion, and disinformation by the media, the public health officials, medical bureaucracies, that's the CDC, the FDA, and the World Health Organization, and the medical associations. Physicians, scientists, and experts in infectious treatments who formed associations designed to develop more effective and safer treatments were regularly demonized, harassed, shamed, humiliated, and experienced a loss of licensure, loss of hospital privileges, and at least one case, ordered to have a psychiatric examination. Anthony Fauci was given essentially absolute control of all forms of medical care during this event, including insisting that drugs he profited from being used by all treating physicians. He ordered the use of masks, despite at first laughing at the use of masks to filter a virus. Governors, mayors, and many businesses followed his orders without question. The draconian measures being used, masking, lockdowns, testing of the uninfected, use of inaccurate PCR tests, social distancing, and contact tracing, had been shown previously to be of little or no use during previous pandemics. Yet all attempts to reject these methods were to no avail. Some states ignored these draconian orders and had either the same or fewer cases as well as deaths as the states with the most strictly enforced measures. Again, no amount of evidence or obvious demonstration along these lines had any effect on ending these socially destructive measures. Even when entire countries such as Sweden, which avoided all these measures, demonstrated equal rates of infection and hospitalizations as nation with, nations with the strictest very draconian measures, no policy change by the controlling institutions occurred. No amount of evidence changed anything. Experts in psychology of destructive events such as economic collapses, major disasters, and previous pandemics demonstrated that draconian measures come with an enormous cost in the form of, quote, deaths of despair and in a dramatic increase in serious psychological disorders. The effects of these pandemic measures on children's neurological development are catastrophic and to a large extent irreversible. Over time, tens of thousands could die as a result of this damage. Even when these predictions began to appear, the controllers of this, quote, pandemic continued full steam ahead. Drastic increases in suicides, a rise in obesity, a rise in drug and alcohol use, a worsening of many health measures, and a terrifying rise in psychiatric disorders, especially depression and anxiety, were ignored by the officials controlling this event. We eventually learned that many of the deaths were as a result of medical neglect. Individuals with chronic medical conditions, diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, and neurological disease were no longer being followed properly in their clinics and doctor's offices. Non-emergency surgeries were put on hold. 
Many of these patients chose to die at home rather than risk going to hospitals, and many considered hospitals death houses. Records of deaths have shown that there was a rise in deaths among those aged 75 and older, mostly explained by COVID-19 infections. But for those between the age of 65 to 74, deaths had been increasing well before the pandemic onset. Between the ages of 18 and age 65, records demonstrate a shocking hike in non-COVID-19 deaths. Some of these deaths were explained by a dramatic increase in drug-related deaths, some 20,000 more than in 2019. Alcohol-related deaths also increased substantially, and homicides increased by almost 30% in the 18- to 65-year-old group. The head of the insurance company, One America, stated that their data indicated that the death rate for individuals age 18 to 64 had increased 40% over the pre-pandemic period. Scott Davidson, the company's CEO, stated that this represented the highest death rate in the history of insurance records, which does extensive data collections on death rates every year. Davidson also noted that this high rate of death increase had never been seen in the history of data, death data collection. Previous catastrophes of monumental extent increased death rates by no more than 10%. 40% is unprecedented. Dr. Lindsay Weaver, Indiana's chief medical officer, stated that hospitalizations in Indiana are higher than at any point in the last five years. This is of critical importance since the vaccines were supposed to significantly reduce deaths, but the opposite has happened. Hospitals are being flooded with vaccine complications and people in critical condition from medical neglect caused by the lockdowns and other pandemic measures. A dramatic number of people are now dying, with a spike occurring after the vaccines were introduced. The lies flowing from those who have appointed themselves as medical dictators are endless. First, we were told that the lockdown would only last two weeks, but it lasted, lasted over a year. Then we were told that masks were ineffective and did not need to be worn. Quickly, that was reversed. Then we were told that cloth, the cloth mask was very effective, now it's not, and everybody should be wearing an N95 mask. And before that, they should double mask. We were told there was severe shortage of respirators. Then we discovered they were sitting unused in warehouses and city dumps, still in their packaging crates. We were informed that the hospitals were filled mostly with the unvaccinated and later found out the exact opposite was true the world over. We were told that the vaccine was 95% effective, only to learn that, in fact, the vaccines cause a progression erosion of innate immunity. Upon release of the vaccines, women were told that the vaccines were safe during all stages of pregnancy, only to find out no studies had been done on safety during pregnancy and the safety test prior to the, during the, quote, safety test prior to the release of the vaccine. We were told that careful testing on volunteers before the EUA approval for public use demonstrated the extreme safety of the vaccines, only to learn that these unfortunate subjects were not followed, medical complications caused by the vaccines were not paid for, and that the media covered all this up. We also learned that the pharmaceutical makers of the vaccines were told by the FDA that further animal testing was unnecessary. The general public would be the guinea pigs. Incredibly. We were told that Pfizer's new mRNA vaccines had been approved by the FDA, which was a clever deception in that another vaccine had approval, Comirnaty, 
and not the one being used, the BioNTech vaccine. The approved Corminity vaccine was not available in the United States. The national media told the public that the Pfizer vaccine had been approved and was no longer classed as experimental, which was a blatant lie. These deadly lies continue. It is time to stop this insanity and bring these people to justice. You can find the footnotes for this article at the original source, and I've supplied a link.